Welcome to Arbel Ministries podcast with Mark Whitehead. As we continue our journey through the book of Numbers together, Israel is just east of the Jordan River. Over the last three chapters, we've discussed the story of Balaam. And as we will see this week, his influence will continue even though he is not mentioned in this chapter. We'll also look at jealousy. If you're like me, you are probably taught that all jealousy is wrong. Is that true? Let's look at Numbers 25 together. We're going to start in verse 1. While Israel remained at Shittim, the people began to play the harlot with the daughters of Moab, for they invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods. And the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel joined themselves to Baal of Peor, and the Lord was angry against Israel. So Israel is at Shittim, and they began to, it says, play the harlot with the daughters of Moab in verse 1. Now, who is the leader of the Moabites? Balak. And we've talked about him previously, but Balak knew that Moab would be no match for Israel. So, how would they be able to weaken Israel? Somehow, they figured out that if the Moabite women seduced the men of Israel, God would be angry with them. And it says the Moabite women invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. That's verse 2. They invited Israel to a sacrificial feast to Baal. Israel understood what was going on. See, it's very similar to the type of ceremonies God had instructed Israel to do to him as well. After an animal was slaughtered, certain portions were given to God, while other portions were eaten by the worshiper. So picture the Israelites eating these sacrifices to Baal, and then bowing down, to him. I can only imagine how disgusted God must have been as he witnessed the idolatry of his people before his very eyes. Turn back with me to the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus, chapter 34, we're going to read a warning that God has for his people starting in verse 12. Watch yourself that you make no covenant with the inhabitants of the land into which you are going, or it will be a snare in your midst. But rather you are to tear down their altars and smash their sacred pillars and cut down their asherim. For you shall not worship any other god. The Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Otherwise, you might make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and they would play the harlot with their gods and sacrifice to their gods, and someone might invite you to eat at his sacrifice. And you might take some of his daughters for your sons, and his daughters might play the harlot with their gods and cause your sons also to play the harlot with their gods. So God has already warned Israel about the situation we see in Numbers 25. God knew what would happen if they were seduced by pagans. 
And in this text, God says his name is jealous and that he is a jealous God. And we'll discuss this idea later in the, in the lesson. Just know God knew Israel would be drawn towards other people and other gods. He longed for his people to have a heart devoted completely to him. It says in verse 3 in Numbers 25 that, that Israel joined themselves to Baal of Peor. More literal translation of the Hebrew word is that they yoked themselves to Baal of Peor. This sure sounds like the covenant that Exodus 34 warned Israel not to make with pagans. Now, this would have been done in a formal ritual. This was a direct violation of the first two commandments given by God in the Ten Commandments. Israel was to have no other gods before God and were not to worship or serve idols. What was the punishment if they violated those commandments? The punishment was death. But it says Israel yoked themselves to Baal. Now, this is the first mention of Baal in the Bible. Who was Baal? Well, Baal was the supreme god worshipped by the Canaanites. He was the fertility god, and he was believed to produce crops for the earth, and he was believed to allow people to produce children. During the time of the judges, Israel was drawn to the worship of Baal. Listen to Judges chapter 3, verse 7. The sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asherah. The Canaanites considered Baal the most powerful of all the gods. How did they worship him? Mm. The worship of Baal was rooted in ritualistic prostitution at his temples. In addition to that, human sacrifice was required, which usually involved burning the firstborn son. The parents would place the child onto the arms of an iron statue that had fire burning below. So as Israel yoked themselves to Baal, there must have been some type of worship of Baal involved. What did we see in Numbers 25? It said the people played the harlot with the daughters of Moab. It's a direct reference to the ritualistic prostitution that Baal requires. How did the Moabites know to entice Israel? Well, Balaam may have been unsuccessful in cursing Israel, but he gave Balak the tools he needed to make sure Israel could curse themselves. Listen to Revelation 2, verse 14. But I have a few things against you, because you have there some who hold to the teachings of Balaam, who kept teaching Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit acts of immorality. Balaam essentially told Balak, I can't curse Israel, but let me give you an idea that will make Israel curse itself. Send your women to them. 
The next thing you know, they'll be worshiping Baal and God will take care of cursing them. Guess what? It worked. It worked. Look at verses four and five. The Lord said to Moses, take all the leaders of the people and execute them in broad daylight before the Lord so that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. So Moses said to the judges of Israel, each of you slay his men who have joined themselves to Baal of Peor. God was angry with Israel. He had warned them not to go after idols, yet they did anyway. So punishment was necessary. It needed to be severe so that the message would not be lost. It needed to be a warning for future generations. The sin needed to be dealt with and purged from the people. And God told them, take the leaders from the people and execute them in broad daylight before the Lord. This phrase is specific for impaling their bodies on poles and hanging them in broad daylight so others would be warned not to follow in their footsteps. This type of execution was reserved for the most atrocious crimes of their culture. God wanted to make sure the people understood that he would not tolerate their sin. Now we're going to see in just a moment that a plague comes on Israel due to their idolatry. Do you realize Israel's enemies had no chance of defeating Israel? The people of Sihon, the people of Og, the people of Moab, they had no chance of defeating Israel. God was with Israel. The only way Israel would be defeated would be from their disobedience. And as we'll see in a moment, Israel's disobedience led to thousands of death. But it really was not at the hands of their enemies. See, for believers, Satan cannot defeat us. Look at Hebrews chapter 2. Here's what it says. Therefore, since the son, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had pow the power of death, that is, the devil, and might free those who thought who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. See, from the cross, Jesus made our enemy absolutely powerless. Jesus has freed us. Satan cannot defeat us because for those of us who have accepted Jesus as our Savior, we are on the winning team. But what if we, we turn from God? What if we turn to sin in our fleshly desires? Well, as we see in Numbers 25, it can be our downfall, which is why it's so important to echo the words of David often. Listen to Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there are any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. 
Do you really want to know your sin? Really? You know, our flesh loves sin. It's a constant battle. But we have to realize that Satan is doing his very best to deceive us. He wants us to fall into sin. Now, he's not going to win the war. That doesn't mean he's not going to go down without without a fight. If you ask the Lord, he will be faithful to show you the things that are not from him and that can lead to destruction. Remember, his word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Hebrews 4.12, please open his word every day. It is truly our battle plan and our weapon against the enemy. And if you don't recognize the battle, you'll not see the need to be equipped. Look at verses six through nine. Then behold, one of the sons of Israel came And brought to his relatives a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the sons of Israel while they were weeping at the doorway of the tent of meeting. When Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, saw it, he arose from the midst of the congregation and took a spear in his hand. And he went after the man of Israel in the tent and pierced both of them through the man of Israel and the woman through the body. So the plague on the sons of Israel was checked. Those who died by the plague were 24,000. So suddenly we see this event that happens in the tabernacle. How did we say that someone worshiped Baal? One way was ritualistic prostitution. There would be sexual relations at the temple of Baal, in the presence of Baal. What do you see at the entrance of the tabernacle in these verses? Ritualistic prostitution in the presence of Yahweh. Phineas, Hebrew is Pinhas, the grandson of Aaron, nonetheless, would not stand for this act. He defended his God. He took a spear and he drove it through both the man and the woman at the same time. See, Phineas single-handedly stopped the plague. The text says 24,000 died. The plague was over because of the act of Phineas. You know, it runs in the family. Do you remember how his grandfather Aaron stood in the gap between the living and the dying as God wanted to punish Israel for Korah's rebellion? encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast of Numbers chapter 16. His grandfather stood between the living and the dying and protected Israel. Do you know what is so important for you to take a stand when necessary? Kids and grandkids will model what matters to you. Do you think Aaron's son, Eleazar, modeled what Aaron had done? Absolutely. 
Do you think Eleazar's son Phineas modeled what he saw in his father and his grandfather? Of course. We see it even in this story. What are you modeling to those coming after you? Will they take their stand for the Lord because of the stand they see you taking for him today? It matters. We can say we believe in the Lord all day long. We can say we follow his word. But let me tell you, our kids, our grandkids, our downline, they're going to pick up on what we do more than what we say. Are we living lives that model following Jesus? Verse 10, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, has turned away my wrath from the sons of Israel and that he was jealous with my jealousy among them so that I did not destroy the sons of Israel in my jealousy. Therefore say, behold, I give to him my covenant of peace and it shall be for him and his descendants after him a covenant of a perpetual priesthood because he was jealous for his God and made atonement for the sons of Israel. Now, I have been taught, don't be jealous. And I'll be honest, many times that's hard. It's hard not to be jealous as you look at social media, right? If you have an account on social media, my guess is you've been on there and you have had some issues with jealousy. People put up their brand new toys. People put up all these pictures on the beach and on vacation and their, their family's all smiling. It's hard not to be jealous. But let me give you a reality check today. It's okay to be jealous. Really. Now, not that kind of jealousy like we're talking about with social media. I'm not talking about worldly jealousy. I'm talking about godly jealousy. So remember, the Israelites had blown it. They were invited by the Midianites to join them in worshiping their gods. And when they accepted the invitation and began worshiping foreign gods, God was angry. But an amazing thing happened that day. Phineas, it says, was jealous of the Israelites. And not a worldly jealousy in which Phineas wanted to be that Israelite committing that act in the entrance of the tabernacle. That's not it at all. Instead, he was jealous with godly jealousy. He felt the same jealousy that his God felt in his heart as one of his children committed an affair on him by worshiping someone else. So what exactly is jealousy? Well, the word jealousy in Hebrew means pure, intense desire. Kanah. Pure, intense desire. This type of jealousy is fueled by the necessary passion to keep what is good. So as God, God's people turned to a foreign God, God became jealous because he is, has a pure, intense desire for his people. Phineas shared God's jealousy as he watched a fellow Israelite be satisfied with a false God. 
Phineas had an intense passion to honor God. Therefore, he acted. And by acting with godly jealousy, Phineas turned away God's wrath. What an incredible truth. Because of one man's intense passion for God, the death sentence for others was lifted. It is so important, guys, for our lives to line up with the Lord's. Do the things that break God's heart also break yours? Are you ready to act when Jesus is being mocked? Do you really share godly jealousy with our Lord? Because the things that make him jealous also make you jealous. Because of his actions, Phineas was given God's covenant of peace. And his family was given a covenant of perpetual priesthood. Do you think God values his people having godly jealousy? He not only blessed Phineas, but he blessed all of the descendants that would come after him. Today, God is screaming into my heart. Mark, it's okay to be jealous as long as it is the same jealousy that I feel. Do I have an intense passion for him? Am I ready to act on his behalf when needed? See, not only does my obedience matter for me, my obedience affects my family. So my jealousy must match his jealousy. Before we finish this podcast, I want to wrestle with something just for a moment. See, in our text, God commends and rewards Moses, uh, excuse me, Phineas, for his use of a sword. Does that seem odd? See, Matthew 26, Jesus was being arrested. Peter took his sword He cuts off a man's ear and Jesus rebukes him. He says this, put your sword back into its place for all those who take up the sword shall perish by the sword. How do you reconcile that? Well, first off, know that Phineas is obeying Numbers 3.10, which specifically says that a layman, layman is to be put to death if they come near the tabernacle. Put to death. It's exactly what happened in the story. See, this Midianite not only came near the tabernacle, but was drawing other Israelites into a bell practice within the tabernacle. Punishment was deserved. But fast forward the story. Jesus comes years later, and he flips the script. He says things like, love your enemies in Matthew 5 and Luke 6. He lived a life displaying grace and mercy when it wasn't deserved. And he asked his followers to do do the same. Do you display grace and mercy to the lost world around you? Yes, you're right in saying that grace and that mercy is not deserved. Jesus knew that, yet he still gave grace and mercy 
That is what he did for me. And that is what he did for you. He gives us what we do not deserve. Do you want to make a difference today? Be like him. Freely give grace and freely give mercy. Love those who do not love you and show the world who he is. There was a group in Jesus' day called the Zealots. Their home base was a place called Gamla, which is on the northeast corner of the Sea of Galilee. The Zealots were zealous for the Lord. Do you know who they patterned their behavior after? Phineas. They walked around with small knives and would use violence for any they felt were not following the Lord. They hated Romans. They hated anyone sympathetic to Rome, even if they were Jews. They would attack and kill their enemies as they simply walked down the road. Do you know what the punishment was if Rome caught them? If Rome caught a zealot, their punishment was death by crucifixion. Do you realize Jesus was crucified as a zealot? He came displaying love, but the people didn't get it. He was crucified, it says in our Bible, between two thieves. They were zealots. And if you're like Jesus, others may not understand you. Know that going in. They didn't get him while he was here either. You are called to be zealous for God and his ways, but not to be a zealot. Like Phineas, stand for the Lord, but do so in love. Thank you for listening to this podcast. As always, I love hearing your stories of how these podcasts are impacting you. Feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at Ministries or through email, Ministries at gmail.com. For any updates on our ministry, go to our website, rbellministries.com. I look forward to our time together in our next podcast. Until then, take care.